You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Warning. Each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts are I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And again, joining me today is my co-host, Jim, the hitman, Raffman. Morning, Jim. Good morning, buddy. Good morning, everyone. All right. Y'all, so we're going to do this special episode, Hotline, if you will, and it's Jim's first hotline. And we haven't done one in a couple months. So we like to do it every once in a while to give our fans the chance to ask or say anything they want, and we'll answer your questions to the best of our ability. I want you to know that today's episode is totally, as all of them are, totally unscripted. Um, Jim doesn't even know what the questions are. I haven't read them to him yet. Um, But today's episode is going to be raw and unedited. I'm out of town. Um, I got back in country last Thursday, and we were able to get out the episode on Friday for you without the editing on my end. And, of course, Jim, you sounded great. And then uh, we're going to do – it's going to be the same way today because I'm out of town again. I left Saturday, and I've been gone all week. And my adorable wife won't have time to fix all my lip smacks and ums and deep breaths. So fans, just deal with me, if you will, please. So before we get started, though, Jim, I want to tell them about uh, another podcast called True Crime Cast, and Crime Cast is one word, y'all, and it's hosted by John and Jamie. And look, it's a really well done show. They play off well of each other. They're, the episodes are researched well, and they're a friend of real life, real crime. Y'all go listen to their last episode on the Oklahoma City bomber, and they give us a really, really great review. Uh, and promotion. And so we're going to return the favor now. Let me introduce you to True Crime Cast with John and Jamie. Hey, I'm John. I'm Jamie. And this is True Crime Cast. Sure, we cover the big names and cases everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. 
If you listen into True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You all should go ahead and hit the subscribe button and join in on the conversation. This is True Crime Cast. All right, everybody, it was John and Jamie with True Crime Cast. Go give them a listen, like, subscribe to them, and check out their social media. They have actually joined our private crew page, and um, so they're on there. Say hi to them. And when you go to their social media, let them know that Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast sent you. So, all right, Hitman, let's get started. The yeah, we have questions from numerous fans, and I'm gonna tell you right now that I'm going to save the the most disturbing question for last, or we're going to save the most disturbing question for last, and we'll go through all the the, the rest of them, etc. But I'll tell you, I'll give you a preface on it, Jim. I had several requests. Um questions about sexual fetishes, et cetera. And I'm, um, when I get to that question, you think about it, I already have one in my mind that I know that you know about probably every cop that ever went to LSU knows about. Um, and I think I'm going to tell that one, but so y'all at the end of the hotline episode that's where the bad question would be and i'll give you a warning again to turn this shit off if you're going to get offended and stay tuned at the end of the hotline episode and i'm going to tell you about a special little boy named gage and um gage is uh, just a beautiful young spirit and he has autism and we're going to uh, do a promotion for his mama for his gofundme page to help offset um some of the expenses of, of the program that he's in, et cetera. And I'm also going to be talking about my release of my first audio book, which I did last week. So y'all stay tuned at the end of the episode for that. All right, Jim. Um, we have, let's see, where do we want to start? Make something easy. All right. I know. I know. I think maybe at the end of every hotline episode, we can do one uh, sexual fetish. I mean, this, the people that were hitting me up, Jim, were messing me in, and I'm like, y'all really don't want to go there. And they were like, yes, we do. Try us out. Blah, blah, blah. So, okay. I, I mean, and, and one, of them, one of them was patron, and uh, I promised the patron members their questions would be answered regardless. So, we'll give it to them. But, yeah, I just don't think it's like that movie, right, with Jack Nicholson. And you, you can't handle the truth. But um, first question, Jim. Chad Hayes asks, who is the worst of the worst murder by you level bad guys you ever met? I, I, can, tell you, I can tell you right now on the sexual side, um, well, there's so many of them, but on the sexual side, for me, without a doubt, 
David, um, sorry, David double clutch Constance who raped those kids for 20 years. Uh, I mean, you just don't get any more than that. And, um, you know, murder by you, David Constance. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, special kind of murder by you that needs to, I mean, I, I, I could go off on, on what I truly feel about it. Um, but I'm with you on that. And just, he's a, just a disgusting human being. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And then getting his wife involved. Actually, his wife, Christina, was one of his victims um, when she was a girl. And he groomed her. And uh, just, you know what, Jim, I still catch shit to this day for telling that story. And I wasn't going to say anything about it. But we got another another one-star review because of the clutch uh, the Constance episode. And I've gotten a couple of those since we started the podcast. And some lady went off saying and then I was worse than child pornography or something like that. I'm like, motherfucker, didn't you say he or hear the warning? He, my warning. And the other thing is y'all, I mean, if you, I guess some people are just used to regular true crime shows where they get the stuff off the internet, et cetera. I tell you in the warning, that these facts are what were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the bad guys who committed the crimes against the victim. And fuck, I'm not lying to you. I mean, it's, I'm not making this up. And Jim's not making it up. It, these are the direct words these people told. And, and, and believe me, we don't put in half of what we could put in. So it's not about sensationalism. But David Double Clutch Constance is a bad piece of shit murder by you and hey um i probably shouldn't do this but i'm gonna do it again i know somebody up there at angola's got a cell phone and that has contraband and they're listening to real life real crime i'm talking about inmates they sneak in cell phones now and so y'all don't let david double clutch constance fool you he is a the king of all pedophiles and maybe you know this will give him a little inmate love. So, anyway. Without a doubt. And, and what if I could touch on one thing, because I think I know what you're talking about in regards to the, uh, the complaint about the child pornography and the reasons why they should be giving ideas out for, for pedophiles and whatnot. Look, at the end of the day, you can turn on the news, and if you're a robber, you're going to get new ideas. If you're a kidnapper, you're going to get new ideas. So it's, it's being aware and being known what to look for more so than giving people ideas of what can go on. Um, we live in a world that can be very sick and twisted, and there's a lot of bad people out there. So knowing how to protect yourself and protect your family is first and foremost. Um, I mean, I, these criminals will sit there and think of it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. But then, you know, the main thing is I think those people um, that have left those, and then I don't normally talk about reviews like that because it just doesn't bother me one way or another. But the first of all, I don't think that they listen to the whole episode. Otherwise, they would know we put them away for four life sentences. And I think they probably hear the first few minutes and get offended and, and, you know, blow up. And that's fine. It takes all kinds to make the world go around. But again, y'all, that's I mean, we've got some bad, bad cases to talk about in the future. And 
we would never sensationalize the the bad stuff, but we've got to tell the base facts of it. If not, what's the point of doing the podcast? I mean, you, you this is real life, real crime. This is not Google special, you know, uh, about Ted Bundy again that, you know, 14,000 other people have done. So, but anyway, the, Jim, what about murderers? Oh yeah, I, I agree. I agree, especially since he—I mean, he worked all over the world, right? As a shipbuilder, yeah, that dude was throwing it off. Yeah. And when I took that picture back in and showed him, I said, who is this? He said, oh, yeah, I killed him, too, and wasn't uh, the victim. And I said, I said, exactly how many people have you killed? And he said, I really don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it, I can only imagine what would pop up and where. Um, yeah. That guy was bad. I mean, yeah, he was one of the worst ones. He, he, was, he was definitely bad. Um, I'm going to go with at this point until we cover other people. Well, shit, Jared Bordelon, of course, he's bad, but he got he got his due justice right being executed. But um, Mark Lewis that killed Caitlin Adel, and and of course Janet Benoit, and you know attacked at least one other girl. And I, I think he's got more bodies on him, uh, but he. That dude was cold. I mean, no emotion, just just bad news. So, but yeah, that was. I agree, Mark. Mark Lewis. That was a bad one. I, I still get teary eyed when I think of little Kate Maladell. That one just that's just, my heart. just a tough deal, man. That was just a horrible case. But the good, if there can be any good out of it, was I've never seen a community. Uh, and people from across the world rally behind uh, the family in the search and the investigation like that. I mean, that was amazing. Um, the people that came out to volunteer and just, it was a great show of community support and uh, support for Caitlin's mom. But other than that, I mean, I, I wish it hadn't happened, certainly. But anyway, the, all right, Jim, let's do another question. Brittany. Goche, and I know how to say that because I'm from South Louisiana. It's spelled G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. Um, Brittany wants to know, uh, she said, hey, Woody, I've had a question since the day you started the podcast. I was wondering if you ever worked under my grandpa, Frank Steele. He was a night shift supervisor of the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office for several years. Now, Brittany, let me tell you this. Your grandfather was somewhat of a legend in in the uniform patrol ranks, because I can tell you from the day I started, I would hear about Frank Steele, but Frank Steele and yeah, yeah, Frank Steele. So from what I heard, I, uh, he was a true original good cop, right? And he didn't take any shit off anybody. And, you know, he ran a really good tight ship. No, I, I did not. I think 
I got there right after um, he he was gone. And Jim, that I know that would have been before your time. Um, but I think what I he was compared to was like Mike Irwin shifting night or John Laudermilk shifting night. I mean, he just they ran and they gunned and they caught lots and lots of bad guys. But so Brittany, no, uh, not directly, but certainly he was a legend. So, okay, so let's go to uh, Lonnie J. And Jim, Lonnie J joined probably like two weeks ago or something, but he's been uh, very active in, you know, on the page, et cetera. But he has a couple questions and he says, Woody and Jim, what made you go into the field of criminal justice? Did you ever get into trouble with the law when you were younger? And if so, is that a factor of why you went into it? Thanks. And I'll let you go first. did not get in any trouble with the law when I was younger. Um, I mean, I did my typical teenager stupid stuff, nothing that was really uh, law-breaking or anything like that. Um, I did grow up more um, on the lower-income side of things, if you will. Um, I didn't have a whole lot. Um, you know, I had a wonderful father who did everything in the world for my brother and I, um, and, you know, just raised us the right way. And for me, I got into law enforcement. I just thought it was super exciting. It's just, just one of those things when you get it in your blood and it's something you want to do, it's just all you think about. You just love it. It's a passion. Um, and that's what really got started with me. Our home was, um, the, at least my father's home when I was in high school. Someone tried to burglarize it and I sat there um, getting down on the ground looking for shoe marks and so on and found a bunch of stuff. You know, all out. He's got there and that really kick-started for me. Yeah, it, you, you never told me that, or I guess we never talked about that, right? Um, you watch it or more. All right, so Lonnie J, I was a bad kid, but um, let's say uh, involvement with law enforcement, getting into trouble with law. I think, I mean, I did a lot of bad shit, but uh, um, the they never caught me, if you will. And, and so I, mean, I say bad stuff. I'm talking about teenage stuff, just crazy stuff. Uh, um, I mean, I can kill anybody or rape anybody or anything like that. But I, I definitely was, uh, you know, hell bent on raising hell all the time. But so uh, I think I only had interaction, personal interaction with the cops a couple times, but I was never arrested. And I've always wanted to be a cop. That's all I ever wanted to do. And the, um, you know, it's the greatest show on earth. And if you have a job you love, you never have to go to work. And I say this all the time, but there's so many mornings when I would get in and I would be so pumped up. Uh, uh, I would feel like I should have to pay them for the privilege of working there. I mean, it was that much fun. Now, I'm a big hunter, and it's like the hunting of, of man, right? And just loved it. It was great stuff. And then I, I love the brotherhood and everything that goes with it. Of course, I love the criminal mind. It, it fascinates me and still fascinates me to this day. So, all right, Jim. So, really good question. I did like that question. That was a good one. Well, Lana J has another one. 
All right. So Lana J says, have either of you been involved with cases involving serial killers? And I can tell you, yes, whether directly or indirectly, the um, Derek Todd Lee, uh, Sean Vincent Gillis. And of course, I'm going to go out on the limb and say Mark Lewis, uh, Chris Allen, David Hunt, who, who Jim was just talking about in the Trust No One episode. Now, y'all, a serial killer is a, is a person who kills more than two people at separate times. And I mean, there's some other criteria involved. Uh, um, but just like Derek Todd or, or Sean Vincent, when, when these women are being killed, you get updates on things or even, you know what? Gerald Borderline could have been right. Or may have still been, and he may have had more bodies on him. We know he was a serial rapist, but, you're getting involved with them one way or another, where you search, whether you're searching for a missing victim or you're on the bolo or be on the lookout for a certain type of vehicle like they did with um, Jim. I know you remember this with Derek Todd Lee. They had us looking for a white guy in a white truck. And I mean, that was one time that, that an FBI profile was so wrong. But of course, traditionally there are very few African-American serial killers. Um, which Derek Toddley was. So you go ahead, Jim. Yeah, no, I would say Derek Toddley, I didn't specifically work on the case. I just remember what we were looking for. Um, and then Chris Allen Hunt, that would be uh, one right there. I, I know that there's more bodies out there somewhere that he's uh, disposed of that just, we have no clue where they are. And, uh, well, I just, we just know it. I mean, he can't even, he doesn't know what body he plays where and with who. I mean, it's, uh, that's definitely one of them, in my, my opinion, anyway. I agree. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. The, I mean, it's just a lot of them. I think, um, even we may have worked on serial killer cases that we don't even know about, right? Missing, uh, whether you're taking a report from missing person or whatever it may be, but the, certainly, there's different levels of serial killers and interactions and we've had our fair share. So and then Jim, we have Cassie Wallace from Bowling Green, Kentucky. She is a dream team member and a sweetheart. And she just wants to give a shout out to her friend, Kimberly Stowers. She says, Hey, Kimberly Stowers, you're awesome. And Kimberly replies, Oh, that is so sweet. Call it in. <laughs> But anyway, they're both, they're both dream team members and, and we love them to death. And you got to meet them, Jim, through the, through the closed group stuff and all that. But the, uh, yeah, they the, both have been very, uh, very nice. And I've interacted with both of them and good morning to both of you. Uh, <laughs> and I look forward to talking with you more. Yeah. And we'll, we'll all get to face to face, hopefully, uh, before crime con next year, but definitely there. So. And that's in your Bowling home. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Bowling Green. That's the home of the Corvette, right? So the, uh, okay. So let's see. I'm going to Elizabeth, Elizabeth P. Middle initial, last name Chalker, C H A L K E R. To ask, what are your thoughts on the Dan Markle 
murder case. Why can't they arrest the in-laws? Well, Elizabeth, I, I'm not aware of that case. Um, and I don't know if Jim is or not. Uh, I'm not, but uh, Elizabeth, I do know you, so good morning. And I will actually look into this. And uh, Woody and I can um, can talk about that maybe on a, on a next week's episode or another episode. Um, I'm not just not familiar with the case. Okay, so Elizabeth, we're gonna. It was unscripted. I couldn't. I couldn't prepare for it. So <laughs> I told you it's unscripted and raw. My lip smacks and all today, y'all. Um, the but we're trying to get this out for y'all. I think it's important that we release one time every Friday, and we haven't missed one yet. Knock on wood. Um, so hopefully you'll be hearing this by 7 p.m. this evening, edited or not. But Elizabeth, we will absolutely table your question for the next hotline episode and i'm going to look into it i do like to uh look into cases that i never heard of and but the my the other fault or my fault or my problem is i don't really watch the news and stuff on murder cases like that anymore right the so if somebody has to bring it up to me like the jessica chambers case i'd never heard of that and the fans wanted to hear about it, and that's why i did the hotline episode on her but we'll check it out, right, Jim? Absolutely, we will. Elizabeth, wonderful. Uh, you'll you'll enjoy chatting with her if you ever get that opportunity, Woody. Cool, cool. We'll do that. Thank you, Elizabeth, for your question. Now we have Delinda, spelt with a D, not Belinda. Delinda, middle name Andrews, last name is L U I N G E. How do you think you say that, Jim? L U I N G E. L U I N G E. L U. L U I N G Lungy Lungy Lingui <laughs> Delinda how we're we're gonna call you Delinda. And thank you for taking the time to submit a question, right? So Delinda asked, Why should anyone ever submit to a polygraph? I've heard time and time again of innocent people failing. It's not it's not admissible in court either way. I've never heard of anyone advocate for taking one other than law enforcement. What is your take? Okay. Yeah, you go first. You go first. Hey, let me let me tell you. Let me tell you this, Jim. Uh, we have a Aaron Ashwood. Follow that up with great question for a polygraph expert. I'd love to know too. So you you start with it. Okay. So you're right. They're not necessarily admissible in court. But they are very good at fact-finding, very, very good at fact-finding, because it does um, use some of the biometrics, you know, your, your blood pressure, your heart rate, different types of things like that. Um, so it's amazing that when you put somebody on a polygraph machine, the amount of information they give you, whether the machine is running or not. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It may not be admissible in court. Why would anybody submit to it? But they do, because, like I said, it's very much a fact-finding uh, ordeal and it's used a lot of times for pre-employment too said you put somebody on the box they're going to start talking all right and um, and, so, t- and that's that's why it's used so much right and it, and it can't find the truth and that is for, that is uh for certain i do believe in that yeah yeah well uh, Woody, i'll let you run with it with your expertise from here this is definitely your lane right and the absolutely um Agree with you. It is an excellent investigative tool. And Delinda, I still have my private business. 
over to Polygraph Consulting, and I do a lot of uh, the private testing, but about 40% relationships where people call in about their cheating spouses, et cetera. And the other 60%, I would say, is defense work. And you have, unfortunately, you have a lot of people who get accused of things that they did not do. And so the defense attorneys will come to me and say, hey, look, first of all, I need to know for myself if this guy did it or didn't do it or this lady. And, um, you know, will you run them for me? And if they pass Delinda, then what they get when my report is issued, they have something that their attorney can take to the courts, even if it's not admissible, which that's that's not totally true either. It is admissible in court as long as both sides agree to the expert testimony. But the problem is, is getting both sides to agree because you're always going to have one person who doesn't want it in. Um, but the defense attorney can take it to the court and say, you know, stand up in an open court and say, for your honor, my, my client passed a polygraph with Woody Overton. And even if it's not admissible, nine times out of 10, it's, it's going to be a judge that I've had some type of case in front of over the years. I'm talking about criminal cases and they get to plant that seed of doubt in, in the judge's mind. But a lot of times they just take it straight to the district attorney and the DA is like, they, they know I'm not going to lie for them. Uh, and they know my reputation. And a lot of times it helps to get their charges dismissed. Um, dismissed. So that's one reason to take it. Now, if, if you come to me um, as a, as the police and you want me to take a polygraph and I'm guilty, I'm not taking that shit. I, they, they, I mean, that I promise you that they're going to use it as an investigative uh, fact-finding mission, if you will. I mean, I tell every examinee that I have, if you could take the test and pass it, take it. If you can't pass it, then don't take it with me because you're not going to cheat me and you're not going to beat me. So, um, but it is used a lot in the private sector. And as far as law enforcement, it's a hell of an investigative tool. And I've done probably over a thousand of the pre-employment tests Jim's talking about. And I've had cops that have been on the jobs for years and tell me shit you would never imagine. And one admitted to rape. Uh, I've had one, uh, cops admit to manufacturing of meth, um, hauling pounds of weeds in a car, just all kinds of crazy shit. So you never know what effect the polygraph is going to have, but I can tell you something. It will absolutely break you down when done correctly. It's a hell of a process. And, and, and I'm going to just follow up on, on a couple of different things. You just brought up a very good point. Yes, it is a very good law enforcement tool. Yes, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously work a lot in the favor of the, of the state. However, it is good for exculpatory evidence as well, which helps the, the defendant out. Um, because, of, you know, having that polygraph exam, it says if you pass it, coming from a law enforcement uh, uh, polygraph examiner like Woody, um, it kind of speaks volumes for the defendant as well. So it can help get somebody off of some charges or rule them out as a suspect or whatever. But, it, you know, in other cases, like I do remember, um, I was working some burglary cases 
or detectives at the polygraph examiners that I could just make a phone call and I can get you to take care of me for it. Um, but put that person on the box and we ended up solving like a handful of other crimes that we didn't even know about because it was just spitting the information out, which was, uh, which was great for us. Um, so, I mean, it does have its advantages. Yeah, and, and certainly a, a, there's one murder case, and we'll tell you all about it in the future, but uh, this guy wasn't even on a radar. The cops had arrested the wrong person off of information from the hood, and one of the CIs called in and said, hey, you need to talk to this cat. He's um, He's been crying since the thing happened and everything else, and I brought him in and talked to him, and I, I asked him to submit a polygraph, and he took it, and shit, he – Two minutes after the test, and I told him he failed, he confessed. And so we got the wrong guy out of prison that time and got the right one in. So there's a lot, a lot of interesting cases on it and a lot of different variables that go into it. But let me, going back to the defense cases on, uh, I do more sex allegations, unfortunately, more sex allegation testing than all the rest of them combined. And usually, it's a bad divorce or custody battle and, and stuff like that. And, and people do shitty, shitty things to each other, right? And it's for one parent to accuse the other parent of uh, molesting their child just so they don't have to share them on the weekends, et cetera, and it'll cause a police investigation, stuff like that. Now, you think about that parent. It's gone both ways. I've had females and males you think about being accused out of the blue and you know you haven't done it. So I think, you know, the polygraph is certainly uh, one way to, to help clear those people. But thank you, Delinda and Aaron for the question. We appreciate it. Yeah. Great question. Okay. So, um, All right, we have. I, I can't play these y'all on voice because I'm sitting in a hotel room in Birmingham, Alabama, recording remotely with Jim. Right, and so normally I could play uh, some of these voice messages into the speaker so you could hear it. But this is from Ryan Horan, who is we call the promo man, and he is a huge, huge part of the dream team. And yeah, and and he's just you know is awesome at promoting the show, and he runs contests for us and gives away things and everything else. Just the man has fire in his belly for real life, real crime. So Ryan says, "Hey Woody, hey Jim, this is Ryan from North Carolina, aka a promo man. A little late calling in today. I hope I get this in time." But, you know, the only thing I can really think of to ask both of you is what is the most bizarre thing that either one of you have dealt with while while you were, were patrol officers? What's the craziest thing you saw that you just could not believe or get over that sticks to you with, with you to this day? And I'm laughing already because I have shit running through my mind. I'm really... Uh, he says, I'm really curious to hear what y'all have to say. You guys are killing it. You don't want, you don't want a great job, real life, real crime, that podcast out there. Okay, guys, it's pro man. Peace and love. I'm out. Jim. 
Wow. I don't even okay. know where to well, start. Uniform patrol. See, that makes it a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Usually, when it gets that interesting, we have to pass it off to detective division. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, golly, I have just encountered so many things, whether uniform patrol or not. But I, um, just on cases that I assisted on. Wow. And see, I, I told you all this is unscripted. And there's like a million things running through my head. But I had actually read this question last night and I started thinking about it. And I said, you know what? I'm not even going to try to think about it because it's just too much. I will wait and see what Jim says. <laughs> you know, so the crazy thing is about law enforcement is you, you come across one thing and it's, I mean, it's just out of, out of this world crazy. And you're like, it, it can't, nobody can top this. And it's almost like that saying, hold my beer. Right. And then somebody does it. Um, and, and, and that's just the craziest thing about law enforcement. <laughs> Every yeah. day you come into work, uh, you don't know what you're going to encounter or what you're going to see. Um, the one thing you do know is it's not going to be the same thing you saw the day before. No, definitely not. It's, definitely not. it's not like riding the desk and, and punching a clock and, you know, hating your, your life. So, uh, so one that I will, um, I will touch on here and I'll, and I'll, um, because I still was a part of Uniform Patrol. I was assisting uh, Narcotics Division with uh, some some assignments that were going on with the time frame. We'll get into specifics on that. So since I was still technically Uniform Patrol, but kind of on the side of the assignment, um, we did a search warrant. Uh, somebody was made, was creating a meth lab and was stupid enough to actually video record the meth lab. And the reason they did that is so they could distribute it to other people on oh. how to um, make a meth lab. So, of course, that was put into the search warrant. Um, after we hit it with SWAT, we collected the evidence. We did collect the VHS tapes. And while going through the oh. VHS tapes looking for the uh, the meth lab, and I think Woody knows where this I is going. I know exactly where um, it's going. <laughs> while, we were, while we were looking through the videos, we ended up finding the meth lab. Of course, you got to see if there's other ones. And there's some <laughs> odd things, and all of a sudden the VHS tape turns into this homemade movie, which had not only warning, warning, yeah, yeah it, it, turn it and turn this <laughs> shit off now if you're gonna get offended. Go ahead, Joe. All right, so there was a husband and wife, and uh, they were the suspects of because they were the ones on that residence, and I'm looking at this video and. You know, you thought you just found the home movie is what it you know, what it appeared to, except that there was another female in there, which was this couple's friends, and the two wives were dressed up in full lingerie, and in come a Dalmatian dog and another large dog, big dogs, and the yeah. dogs had they had those oven mitts oh on their god. paws, and it was taped onto their paws. Oh my god! And then the ladies would start performing. Oh, God. And literally was throwing up in my mouth. Um, and they had an entire tape full of this. So not only did they get their original charges, but then it came a whole slew of charges right after that. Yeah. Bestiality. Well, the, uh, the sound yeah. effect in the courtroom when that was brought up. Holy shit. Let me tell you something. That, and this might be the way to segue into uh, the fetish questions that we had. But I, yeah, okay. 
sexual deviant. And now deviant is, you know, sounds like such a hard, um, horrible word or whatever, but it's not actually that bad. A deviant just means, um, a like or something that, that you normal, most normal people wouldn't like, right? Well, and then you throw sexual in and, you know, you have everything from shoe fetishes to, or foot fetishes to bestiality and everything in between, right? But I, four meth heads. And now I remember when we did the first meth bust in Livingston Parish and Jim, I think it was right before you got there. And, um, we did the John T. Wilkerson and I did the first meth lab bust. And then we were so happy to start working meth because we've been chasing crackheads for years, the same crackheads and, and, and on the same streets. And then, but we had no idea how bad meth was going to get. So we go to, uh, I went to school in Mississippi, the meth lab school. And this is after we'd done a bunch of meth labs. And the one thing they teach you or the instructor said is, I promise you, you'll always find two types of things every time that you do a meth lab one is a firearm and two is some type of pornography because it's a big part of uh sex is a huge part of meth it's, it stimulates that part of the brain right so when we did that and we were we were sitting in that back detective's office i'll never forget as long as i live and uh playing a tape and and i was like holy shit and, and when the, when the dogs came in a room, and I think you're right, it was like oven mitts on one of them. But I I I believe the other one had like I don't want to call it crocheted or whatever hand knitted personalized mitts and and on it. Uh, and obvious for the obvious reason, these are big dogs. I mean, what's that dog's name? Marvin Luke or whatever. I don't know. Uh, in, in the cartoons, I'm talking about big dogs and it was some of the sickest shit you ever see now we saw we've seen sicker but for them to do the sex acts on the dog oral sex acts on the dog to get them and i told you i'll turn the shit off and get them erect and then the husbands helped put the dogs on these women's back and insert them inside their penises inside inside the women yeah, it just, it just doesn't get much more fucked up than that. And the yeah, purpose, <laughs> the purpose, the, the mitts were to keep the dogs from scratching the ladies' backs. And that's what the purpose yep. of the mitts were. And let me tell you something. These were these were not uh, uh, unattractive people. I mean, the um, yeah, it's not. I, I I don't fuck it. I don't get it. They, I mean, they were. Whether they were good looking couples and all that stuff, but I guess it takes, it's all like I always say, it takes all kinds to make the world go around, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The, the world is full of sick and twisted people. Let me tell you, they had, uh, I'll never forget in court, and this is the last part I'll, I'll leave on this, but uh, when we were, the, we were in court for that, you know, you know, things were being brought up like a discovery uh, part of it, and when the uh, state attorney's office asked about that specifically um i'm gonna tell you the the whole entire courtroom just did that yeah and the look on their faces were like oh gosh they got that tape and it's not like you could deny that it's them right literally even the husbands would rotate who's holding the 
Plainview. They, I mean, we're not talking a five-minute clip. I'm talking no, it's hours, hours of this yeah. with multiple sessions with these dogs. Yes, and it was and mul- multiple so, tapes. On, it was a, if it was on more than one occasion. And I mean, of course, if you take the time to make personalized mitts for your Great Dane, uh, so it doesn't scratch up your wife's back, and you know you've put some thought into it. <laughs> back to the sexual question, yeah back to the sexual deviant I, I think I failed to say what I want to say but the uh, the FBI the profile show profile on a sexual deviant shows um, almost as important for the sexual deviant to commit the act is that they record it in some type of way so anytime you work these really freaky Sex cases, nine times out of ten, there's some type of audio or video recording, and they use that to go back to and masturbate to later on until they can have their next session, right? So, um, and Woody, I'm going to make one point, if, 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 uh, if I may, real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear a lot of times about when we talk about, and I know there's going to be future episodes, and Woody and I can get all into this, but when it comes to sexual deviant behavior, pedophiles, things like that. I hear a lot of times people be like, well, why don't you just, you know, cut the penis off or whatever the case might be. But what people are failing to realize it's not the physical stimulation that gets no. them. It's the mental. They record it because they can recall it and they can see it. And it's the whole mental aspect of it that gets them going. That's right. It's, it's, it's you know, sex is 99% mental. And for these freaks or deviants, if you will, and the, to you know, recording the act and everything, and then doing the act, but it's still mental. And I, I have a case on an 82 year old man who was a former priest who I got a confession out of. And we'll talk about it another day. But he's 82 and can barely get around. And the reason I found out about him was because he had just applied to work to be cleared through law enforcement to work with kids again. And he's 82 years old. So, I mean, it doesn't, you can cut the balls off. Um, it's not going to stop the mental part of it, but the, okay. So let's roll into, I'm telling you and, and heed my warning. I'm going to tell you this last one. And we're going to wrap it up. Um, this is serious. Turn it off. It's kind of funny though, but it really is, but turn it off. And it, um, if you're going to get offended, turn this shit off now. Okay. So Brian, I'm going to answer your question. Uh, cause it came to me <laughs> when we were in the police Academy at LSU, Louisiana state university, go tigers. Uh, the, they taught us a class on, sexual deviance and they had a tape from the FBI. It was kind of like a compilation, if you will, of, of different deviant people. God, and some, man, there's some shit on there. You just wouldn't believe, but I'm going to tell you one that really sticks out in my mind. Um, <laughs> somewhere, I, I don't remember. I mean, it's been well over 20 years, but somewhere in some rural part of America, there was a trooper um, that 
did a traffic stop in a real rural area. And, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this one. The, and the guy was in. I don't think there's anyone that's been to this law enforcement academy that don't know where you're going with it, where when you said that. Yeah, yeah. So, the, y'all, this is just real life, real crime. So the trooper pulls over this truck. It's like a 1980-something single-cab Chevrolet truck. And as he's approaching the truck, this was before they had cameras, y'all, uh, uh, dash cameras. As he's approaching the truck, you, or anytime you approach a vehicle on a traffic stop like that from the rear, they have what you call a kill zone. And if it's a car, as you're walking up to the car, as you're passing the trunk, you want to push your hand down on the trunk to make sure there's nobody waiting in the trunk to jump out and ambush you, which, unfortunately, why do they know to do that? Because it's happened. Cops have got killed like that. Uh, so if it's a truck, yeah, that's right. And then, that's right. In case they kill you and, and then they can catch the car later. That's actually happened too. But, uh, the, if it's a truck, as you're walking up, you certainly are going to scan your eye. You're going to look in the back of the truck and make sure nobody's hiding or there's no dead bodies or whatever. Well, trooper looks in the back of the truck as he's walking up and there's a deer and there's a dead deer in the back of the truck. Mm, okay. It's nighttime. Maybe this dude just shot the deer or whatever. Not, not that big of an issue except for. The trooper saw something a little bit strange about the deer, and upon closer examination, he saw that the deer had panties and a bra on. Can't make that shut up, right? So <laughs> he approaches the driver, start you know, talks starts to talk to him, and he's like, uh, "You know, sir, you, you you aware that you have a deer in the back of your truck?" And he was like, "Yeah." And he's like, um, are you aware that the deer is wearing female underwear? And he's like, yeah. And so long, long and short of it is they get the guy out and then now he's a sexual deviant. Uh, he's into bestiality big time and he admits about the deer. He had actually found the deer on the side of the road. He didn't kill it himself and he had sexual intercourse with the deer, but that's not the bad part. Uh, the, uh, he dressed it up and, and did all that and he was riding it around. The only reason he didn't put it in the front seat, like it was his Saturday night date going to a movie is because it wouldn't fit. But so upon further examination of the vehicle, now remember, I told you the sexual deviant almost as important as committing the act is the fact of recording the act. And this dude's got a big ass box of, um, what was it? It's not VHS. What the one you had to use the adapter to play it. That's right. Eight mil and eight mil. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Okay. So they had, he's got a huge box of them in the front seat of this truck. And this is it. Turn it off. uh, um, They take it back and they start playing it. Now they actually played this for us. And I think they do it as much for shock value as just to teach people that are, are young cops that there are all kinds of people out there, right? And you never know what you're going to encounter. So they turn on the tape. It's it's funny, but it's not, y'all. I mean, I'm not. I, we certainly, I know Jim certainly doesn't 
advocate animal abuse or anything like that, but it is what it is. They turn on the tape and what comes into view is <laughs> this guy's lap and he's holding, uh, he's holding the chicken and he's having intercourse with the chicken. Okay. I, I, first of all, I never even knew that was possible. I guess I never thought about it. And, but he's videotaping himself with one hand and he's holding the chicken. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go. You go ahead, Jim. <laughs> so he has the chicken in his, in his, in his lap. And what he's using to open up the chicken. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on one, one second, but, but before you tell that part, cause that's the, uh, I, I was crying on it. Okay. So I'm, I'll, I'll be straight. He's the, the, the camera focuses in. He's got this chicken in his lap. He has his erect penis out and he is having sexual intercourse with this chicken. Now he's moving the chicken. I'm told you turn this shit off. He's moving the chicken back and forth with his hand onto his penis, all right? And you know, you got right uh when the chicken didn't move enough or right before he had his orgasm, tell him what he did, Jim. So and, he would take this uh cigarette lighter. Remember it's the old trucks, the kind that had cigarette lighters where you push the button in and it pops back out when it's hot. And and what he would do is he would take that and then he would put that into the chicken briefly and then pull it back out. And then he would insert himself back into the chicken. The, and it's almost like, I don't know if that opened it up. What, what, it up. I, I know what, what it did. And, and if, cause what it did when it burned the chicken, the chicken went crazy flopping. And that's what helped him finish his orgasm. The, uh, the, as sick as that is. Okay. So the video is showing he's going to town on this chicken and the chicken's not, I mean, you really didn't know if the chicken was alive or dead until he popped that cigarette lighter out and he burned the chicken with it. And then the chicken started kur, 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 and flapping and, <laughs> and stuff. And he finished. Right. And so there, Ryan Horan and to all you fetish people, uh, there's one for you. The, I don't think I eat chicken for like, a long time oh, after that. No. I mean, the, he, go ahead. He even, uh, there, he had a, a, like one of those tripod cameras. Um, so he put the camera on one of those tripods so it was stationary so he can record. And he would do this inside the cabin of his truck or on the back of the truck or sometimes just in the middle of a field. Like there was numerous times he was doing this. And would either hold the camera or he would use a tripod where his full body, face, everything is inside there as he's, uh, you know, doing disgusting acts to the chickens and, uh, and other animals. I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. The, I was just remembering the one in the truck, but you're right. I'm sorry. I hit my microphone. The, he did, uh, the, the tripod so he could have, and when they questioned about it, he did it so he, he could have more of his body in the picture of the camera with the animal that he was, uh, committing bestiality with. 
and y'all, I know I'm gonna catch some shit for laughing. Uh, but I'm sorry. It is what it is. Well, you know, before you know, the thing is, a lot of times, you know, when you see so many things out there, sometimes laughter can be the best medicine, and it's not to be disrespectful. It's not to, you know, we absolutely 100,000% do not advocate anything being done to animals or period. Um, but sometimes we laugh about some of these things, and it's just it's just kind of our way of coping with it. Yeah, um, that's a pretty disturbing image if you think about it. You know, we had to learn about it and watch it, and That's right, and it's better than eating your pistol, right? And uh, or you know, being an alcoholic or whatever. And you're right, and the the laughter sometimes is the best medicine. And what 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 the hell else are you gonna do? I mean, you can't cry about it. Um, but I mean, y'all asked the question. I told you you didn't want to hear it, and you insisted. And there's your answer. And y'all, that's nothing that we could go on for days and we will at some point uh um uh, about more stories like that i mean you wouldn't believe the shit that people do fetish in the fetish world in the sexual deviant world crazy stuff that i mean if you know about it then maybe you know too much (laughs) about it but (laughs) i'll leave it at that so jim we're hitting the hour mark, man. And so we'll shut down this, uh, real life, real crime hotline episode. Do you have anything you want to say, brother? No, thank you very much for the questions. They were very good questions. Um, you know, I know we got a do out, so to speak, for Elizabeth. I got you. Uh, but the questions were great. I thank you guys very much and thank you for all your love and support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I really do, y'all. And I'm sure I probably missed somebody's questions or whatever um especially on getting to play the audio but we'll, we'll, hopefully next time i'll be home and we can have that uh done correctly but that being said uh we love and appreciate each and every one of you and just thank you so much for your support um, it's amazing. We love all of y'all. And of course, patron members, I got to give you a shout out because your support and your pledge really does help us offset some of the costs of the show and everything. And it means a lot. But every fan, we love each of you equally and we'll ask, uh, that you go to iTunes and leave us a review. And I don't care if it's a one star or five star or whatever. And y'all, I didn't ask for the, these reviews in like the first season or anything. Cause I didn't understand how important they are, but evidently there's algorithms that's, that are used. And when people go to look for our show, the more reviews that we have on iTunes, the, it's easier it is to find and higher that the show gets ranked, et cetera, like that. And let me tell you something. 
the I have like uh, on our page that we use the company we use to to broadcast the show. They have all these different uh, podcast platforms that people are downloading us from. So I can see who's downloading from what. And iTunes is like way down on the list, but Apple Podcasts is by far number one and by, by like thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads over everybody else. I think Stitcher is in um, some of those are second and third or whatever. But if you would just take the time to go leave us a review and you want to continue to see us and help us grow. Um, and you know, please just leave us a review. Absolutely. And what do you know? I do. I know there's a lot of, we give a shout out to, uh, a lot of the current law enforcement that listen, um, on the local state, federal level, um, all across the world. You know, we really do appreciate everything that you guys do to keep the community safe and continue to do, um, so we just want to thank you because we know it's some difficult times that you guys are facing every day out there. Uh, we live it. You know, you guys are currently doing it. And we just want to thank you for being the patriots that you are and keeping us all safe. So, thank yeah. You very much. Yeah. Uh, definitely a shout out to all law enforcement and first responders, but double that on our military. And y'all, Jim was a captain um, in 82nd Airborne, right, Jim? Yep, and, and um, the is a direct decorated war hero. Um, we don't have to talk about that, but you, you're listening to the voice of an American hero. And if it wasn't for our military and our police, um, you couldn't live as free as you do. And I, I don't know how the hell the guys on the street do it nowadays but, um, with the culture and the way that people view police and law enforcement in general. And let me tell y'all something. There are no more bad cops on the street today than there were 20 years ago. The only difference is everybody has a camera and the, the culture uh, and the way people feel about police now because everything's recorded and, and these bad guys are getting caught and sometimes they're not bad or whatever, but the, the culture against law enforcement is just, it's just unbelievable. I, I, I wouldn't do it. And look, they're not getting rich, y'all. Uh, um, and they put their lives on the line every day. So really appreciate all y'all and love you and watch you six. And if, if you're a bad cop and, and you're selling dope or, uh, doing bad shoots and dropping guns on people and stuff like that, then we don't give a fuck about you anyway, right? I mean, the, uh, but all, all the good cops out there and we appreciate you, uh, and thank you for your service. Okay. So I want to tell you all about something, um, real quick. And this is the first time I've done this and, and this lady reached out to me about her son, Gage, um, who is autistic and the, and she's trying to get him in or she has him in this program and it's super, super expensive. And the, I'm not going to say a lot about it. Y'all can, if you want to, you can go look it up. Uh, but his name, uh, is Gage river or Gage rivers. And he, 
is, I shouldn't read this whole thing, but um, he's four years old now, and evidently he started out as a, as a regular child, and he could uh, dress himself and speak and everything, and then the, the, they found out that he was regressing, and now, I mean, it's just it's just a it's it's just a sad story, y'all, and so the. If you would, uh, I'm gonna put it in today's show notes about Gage and their mama, and it's it's a uh, it's a GoFundMe page, and they are legitimate. I know them. Um, the the mom lives in Morganza, Louisiana now, and has to drive Gage every day to Baton Rouge, which is like a long ways, so an hour and a half one way without traffic, and they're paying the fees and, and everything for this school. Uh, um, but anyway, it's under Annihilate Autism and Slay ABA, the GoFundMe page. And we'll put it in the show notes. And if you read it and if, and if you can do something or, or if you just throw up a prayer for them or whatever, um, I'd appreciate it. I, I, it's pretty, it is pretty touching to me. So I just want to take a second to do that. And I've never done it before, but this lady reached out and I think it's, a, it's important. Um, anyway, Jim. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, if there's something you can do, that would be very much appreciated. You know, because it's such a big epidemic. Uh, my oldest son is not functioning. It's something I've been dealing with very, for many years. So, uh, you know, Gage, we, we will support you and your mom. Um, you've got some great parents and family that are uh, doing everything they can. Your mom's doing everything she can to help you, and I just think that's amazing. So yeah. I haven't had a chance to talk to you, uh, to, to Gage's mom or anything like that, but um, you're you're doing one heck of a good thing for your son. And, yeah. And, 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 and that you love your son more than anything in this world. That's, uh, that's and basically, basically it's, it's – um, it's Jenny is the mom and she, she tells about how hard it is for her to even ask. I mean, they're proud people said, and then look, they work. I mean, but they have other kids and I mean, they have good jobs, but this, this tuition is like 10 grand or something. And, but she just wants to give her child the best chance that she can. And so it's help gauge annihilate autism and slay a B A and it's on GoFundMe. It'll be in the show notes. He's a beautiful little boy and it kind of tugged in my heartstrings. So if y'all check, check it out and, uh, and you know, good luck to you, Jenny. All right. And thanks for being a friend of real life, real crime. Um, one more thing I want to talk about, and this is pretty much just me plugging myself here jim the uh y'all say you like the voice long before jim was on the show uh, you know i got a lot of comments about people liking my voice and etc etc and i've actually written uh two books i've published four uh under overton publishing but I, i wrote two myself and one of them that i wrote and published in 2014 now listen first of all let me preface I don't care. Uh, I'm not preaching and I don't care what religion you are or aren't or whatever. It doesn't make any difference to me. I believe people should be judged on the character, et cetera. But I'm, this is my story 
of what actually happened to me in 2009 when I died uh, on the table. But uh, I'm going to promote it here on Real Life Real Crime. I, I went back and narrated the book, and it just got released on Audible last week. And I'm going to tell you that the book is not uh, as much about religion as it is about the story of what happened to me, the true story. But it has a lot of, of cop stuff in there. So, I mean, it actually, I talk about two different homicide investigations, a death scene investigation. I talk about some uniform patrol stuff uh, and and in general about the brotherhood uh, uh, and sisterhood and law enforcement and everything. But it really is just my story about just a horrible deal that I went through um, and how we came out on the other side that my wife and I went through and how we came out on the other side. So, and it was originally uh, published in 2014 and it's still available on Kindle and Amazon and all that. Um, but I did a audio version for the people who were asking me to do it. So uh, it got released last week. And the name of the book is Jesus Held Me, H-E-L-D, Me by Woody Overton. Now check this out. It'll be in the show notes. If you've never listened to uh, an audiobook before, they have it set up through Audible where you register and you can get the book for free. Well, it doesn't cost anything. And so uh, um, it's like a trial membership deal. You get the book for free. So y'all check it out in the, in the notes. If you do get the book, do me a, a favor and leave me a review and I, I would appreciate it. And I'll, I'll tell y'all this. Um, the voice thing, I mean, my wife always told me about it and, you know, how she loved it, et cetera. But I've actually signed a contract, Jim. I don't even think I've told you this with another well known author who has out over 29 books. And I've, um, started to record or narrate one of her books in a, it's in a far, four part series. And so that will be out. And by the contract, I have to have it finished by October one. Um, we're well into it. And so hopefully it'll be out sometime next month. So, and again, we'll, we'll let you know when it happens, but Jesus held me. Um, you can get it on Amazon or whatever, but if you go to audible and you've never used audible before, it is free. So check it out and leave me a review and y'all want to hear more from me. And there it is. It's a couple of hours worth. So. Hey, congratulations to you on all that, buddy. Uh, love voice. Uh, I like hear your voice. I'm like an unsolved mysteries narrator type of thing. Yeah. It's something like that. Right. Hey, but you know what? Your voice is deeper than mine. But when my wife had set us up, uh, when we recorded in Orlando, they have these, I don't know, all these switch thingies on the board and the, you have to do them like deep voice, et cetera. And hell, I hadn't seen you in 10 years and, uh, your voice is deeper than mine. So, but I appreciate you being on and Jim and, you know, we're having a lot of fun with it. I know, uh, first of all, it brought us back together talking every day and everything. Um, but I appreciate you being on. It's, it's been awesome. And, um, that's it. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really having a great time. This is uh, it's a lot of fun, but uh, I really enjoy doing this. Hey, y'all, we're doing some really good stuff. 
Um, we're growing as we're in 120 something countries and the numbers are growing across every episode, every day. Um, the podcast awards y'all, they just, that voting closed yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, the last day of July. So we'll hopefully we'll make the finals. Who knows? But I mean, we're up against the biggest shows in the world. Um, but so we'll see. And but we appreciate and love each and every one of y'all. Thank you for what you're doing. Please continue to like and share us and watch us grow. And we will strive to do better and bring you better content, better editing and anything else we can. And if y'all have any uh, complaints, let me know. If you have any likes, let us know and whatever. So that's it, Jim. Thanks again, bro. And, um, and y'all. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until, oh, you know what? I've been remiss, Jim, and I'm sorry, but I've been remiss on not doing uh, our sphincter scale or whatever. But the, uh, so we'll, we'll get back on that next week, right in the bad guys. So, but for y'all, until next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Thanks. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. You understand your rights? <laughs>